Hi, this is Angie Meadows. And this is Will. And we are going to do John 7. Will, when I started writing this study in 2011, I did one verse, and I'd ask a question, and then I'd do another, and I'd ask a question. And I had to scrunch it down into 60 pages, because this ministry wanted it for the back of their John Romans Bibles. And uh, they didn't even know they needed it when I wrote it. And then when I wrote it, they said, we have had three calls this week for a, a Bible study that's not been written by theologians, <laughs> but by a layperson. So I'm just a layperson, but I love studying the Word of God, and I love uh, digging for the mysteries. And I think there are more mysteries in the Word than what we understand. I mean, we're like, you know, um, so many of these mysteries unfold as we go along, and our understanding unfolds as we read, as we study to show ourselves approved, as we um, set our affections on Him and not on things that are here. Uh, and so as I do this, I just learn and I grow. And just doing these studies, my heart's been burning, and I've been like, yes, the Lord is right here. So Jesus secretly went in John 7. The Jews sought to kill him. In John 7, 1. So let's read the verse in John 7, 1. After these things, Jesus walked to Galilee, for he did not want to walk to Judea, yeah. Because the Jews sought to kill him. Huh. So the Jews sought to kill him. So where did he go next? He walked to Galilee. Galilee. And where did he leave from? Judea. 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 Yeah. Sometimes the the translations, the, the way we say these words, I hear them differently, you know, from one preacher to the next. So I think you all know what we're talking about. So John 7 2. Now the Jews feast of tabernacles was at hand. Okay, so it's in the fall. It's seven months before Jesus' death, and it's the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, a really, really cool study, Will, is the, the feast, the different feast that the Israelites had because they're all prophetic um, with the life of Jesus. It's a really cool study. So John 7, 3. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. So where did these brothers want him to go? They wanted him to go into Judea, and that's where they were seeking to kill him, right? So let's see what he's doing. John 7, 4. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to know openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. So Jesus, Jesus was traveling through the small villages and the countrysides, but they wanted Jesus to go into the city. So they wanted him to show himself. They wanted people to see his miracles. So John 7, 5. For even his brother did not believe in him. Hmm. Yeah, his brothers, his, his uh, brothers of Mary and Joseph did not believe in him. Now afterwards they did. Uh, because one of his brothers, James, wrote a book in the Bible. Hmm. So being very close to people, they see your humanity and your flesh, and they're a little less likely to think that, oh, he's the anointed prophet, he's the Messiah. That would be, that would be something that would be um, bigger than what their brother was that played in the dirt with them. <laughs> so as I hang out with Will, he gets he gets the weaker parts. He gets the the tears, the self pity, the whining, the depression. <laughs> he sees me move through it real fast. He hears me hawk, talk through it fast as we're working, but he sees the humanity part. And when people look at me with all the books or with the um, 
different ministries that I've run and things that I've done, they may look at me different. But when you look at a person and you look at all the different levels, now you can appreciate how hard, how much sacrifice they've made and what it's cost them to get to where they've been. So let's look at John 7, 6. Then Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come, but your time is already, always ready. Hmm. So Jesus' answer is, my time is not yet. Now, I remember him saying that to his mother. And his mother said, you do what they tell him, to, whatever he tells you to do. <laughs> so she knew it was time. Mm-hmm. So here's, here they are talking to Jesus, and he's saying, but it's not my time yet. So John 7, 7. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. So why did the world hate Jesus? Because he was testifying yeah that they were evil that there was things that they were doing that was not right so does the world hate those that belong to it it doesn't hate those that belong to it it hates those that belong to the light that belong to jesus so john 7 8 you go up to this feast i am not yet going up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come so jesus told him i'm not going to go you all go ahead so where did he stay galilee (laughs) <laughs> when he said, when he had said these things to them, he remained in Galilee. Okay. So did Jesus go openly to this feast in John 7.10? But when his brothers had gone up, then he also went up to the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Okay. So he's a, he's, he's, it says a prudent man will see evil and hide himself. So sometimes you go openly, sometimes you go secretly. Even Jesus did, because he knew it wasn't his time yet to go to the cross. So who sought him at the feast? Then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? Yeah, they knew he was going to be there. They're like, that. this is one of the main feasts. Jesus would be, be here. So some things to ponder. Jesus didn't feel safe at the feast. And at first he went secretly because of the Hosti- hostility, hostility. hostility of the Pharisees. Is there a place where you don't feel safe? If so, how could you position yourself to move in and out without detection until it is your turn to speak? Okay, think about that. Think about where you don't feel safe. Because a lot of times we just go right in. We know we're not going to be safe. We know we're going to be attacked. And sometimes you just need to go in and pretend you're the woodwork. (laughs) Kind of lay low, stay out of trouble. Number two. Is it time? Has your time come, or is there a waiting and <clears throat> maturing that needs to be done in your spirit before you move forward with your purpose in life? So I probably uh, I knew that my calling was to teach. I knew that my calling was to do, write books and to do radio shows probably about 25 years before I come into it. But I was raising children, and I was homeschooling, and and cooking and had dogs under my feet. So I just preached. I preached to preschoolers. I preached in Sunday school. I preached at uh, Celebrate Recovery meetings. At uh, I spoke at uh, homeless missions and um, recovery groups and homeschool groups. And I I preached to those dogs under my feet in the kitchen. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, I was mean to you. <laughs> I worked on my character when I scolded them after they ate my dinner off the table, off the counter. <laughs> so ask God to help you monitor your speech. And discover if you are prejudging others without knowing all the facts. So sometimes we're not gracious enough. Sometimes we're a little too hard on ourselves and we're a little too hard on others. So intentionally, uh, intentional obedience knows the will of God. So if I'm intentionally 
obedient, it's going to tell me here that I'm going to know what God's will is. If anyone's will is to do His will. Yes. If anyone's will is to do His will, then you're going to know the will of the Father. So that's in John 7, 17. That's our theme for this little section. So John seven twelve. And there was much complaining among the people concerning Him. Some said, He is good. Others said, No, on the contrary. He deceives the people. Okay. So uh, a lot of people are murmuring and complaining. Now, when you're murmuring and complaining, you're going to be stuck. You're going to circle that uh, dry, barren desert. You're not going to grow. You may be fed water from the rock and manna from heaven, but you're not going to get the milk and the honey of the promises of God because you're complaining. So I've really had to spend a lot of time uh, correcting my complaints. However, no one speak or no one spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. So what was the potential snare that kept them from speaking openly? The fear of, of the, Jews. the Jews. Yeah. So in the midst of the feast, what did Jesus do? Now about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. Ha! So he knew when it was time to speak. He said, I'm not going to go yet. And then when he went, he went secretly. And now that he's there, he's going to go on up and talk. He's going to go up and, and speak and uh, pull out the scrolls and probably preach. So why did the Jews marvel at his teaching? And the Jews marveled, saying, how does this man know letters, having never studied? Yeah, so how does he know all this? How did he get all this learning when he's never come here and studied with us? So whose doctrine does Jesus claim to teach? Jesus answered them saying, My doctrine is not mine, but his who sent me. Okay, so he's talking about his father. He's saying, I'm not I'm I'm proclaiming declaring with all this authority because what I'm doing is speaking the words of the Father. So let's look at John seven seventeen. If anyone's will to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. So it's our responsibility to understand true doctrine, to understand, to listen, to get really quiet and really still, and to listen to the Father. And I know, Will, that I have not found what God is speaking to me if I still have division in my heart, if I'm still double-minded, if I don't have peace on a matter. I'm not there yet. I'll go back and forth for a hundred days. Nope, I'm not going to do that. Yep, I better do that. Nope, not going to do that. Yep. <laughs> and until I find peace. And when I find peace, I've wrestled with it long enough that I know what the will of the Father is. And my job during that time, well, is just to determine that no matter what God tells me, I'm going to obey it. If you tell me to stay, I'll stay. If you tell me to go, I'll go. And when I decide I'm going to do whatever, it does take a little bit longer sometimes, but then I know what to do, and that peace will come. So let's look. Jesus seeks to glorify who, and what kind of people seek their own glory? He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory, but he who seeks the glory of the one who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. He who speaks from himself seeks his own glory. Huh. So he's wanting, he's wanting to pat on the back. He's wanting people to glorify him. But he who seeks the glory of the one, and it's a capital O, which means the Father, who sent him is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. So as I seek to glorify God, then it's saying that I am righteous. 
So the Jews sought Jesus. They murmured and complained between two opinions. The people feared the Jewish leaders. Um, the Jesus taught them at the feast, and the Jews marveled at how much he understood and with what authority he spoke. And then Jesus claimed to teach the doctrine of his Father. And if we do the Father's will, if we purpose to do it, then we'll be able to discern what it is. And we are to always be like Jesus and seek the Father's glory. So let's think of some things to ponder here. Do you have a, do you have a fear of a man in any area of your life? Is there a boss, a parent, or spouse that you appease and tiptoe around? If so, this behavior needs processed and talked about with strong, supportive friends or a counselor. So I was uh, had a, a family member that had been abusive most of my life, but this was this was a, a, a parent that needed to be uh, reverenced and respected. Um, and I can remember just really being the fear would grip me when I'd see his number come up on the phone, and so I asked the Lord, "What do I do with this, God? I mean, do you want me to cut him off? Do you want me to back up? Do you want me to to not answer the phone? What do you want me to do?" And I remember him giving me that verse in Galatians that said, "If you are a pleasing man, you have stopped pleasing me." And as I realized that. There was a, the fear of man was a snare in Proverbs, and that I was trying to please an unpleasable person. Then I landed on the fact that I was going to please God. And if that meant that I was going to get persecuted, if that meant that I was going to get railed and bullied and screamed at, then that's what that meant. But at the end of the day, my heart was going to be strong because I did what I felt like was right in God's eyes. Because this person didn't always know what was right and would always try to move you one way or another to do things that were wrong in his favor. And so I just stood my ground. And it made me bold. It made me strong. And it made me learn to push back. So number two. Psalms 119, verse 98 says the com- the commandments must uh, the commandments make us wiser than our teachers hmm. do you know how to find the pr- precepts precepts principles statutes and commandments in god's word to guide your life now i'm still working on this i'm still k arthur's a great teacher that teaches the precepts of god's word and i can remember listening to her teaching thinking now i wonder what that means and so i just started asking god so every circumstance in your life every single circumstance will have a precept a principle a statute or a commandment in his word to teach you and to tell you which which way to go you have to be able to discern god's word to rightly divide it to study it to show yourself proved to be able to yield yourself to him and let him guide you and then you will know uh, the way of the Father, and He'll. Get, that's the reason it's very important to read your Bible to know these stories, because He'll show you in one of these ancient stories of the Old Testament exactly what was done and the consequence, whether that was good or evil, and exactly what should have been done. So now let's look at the third thing to ponder. Second Timothy two and fifteen describes to us the foundation of a person's life that never needs to be ashamed. It is in studying the Word of God that helps us divide error from truth. Pray and ask God to give you the desire to study His Word. Yeah, if you don't desire to study His Word, it's going to be hard to force yourself to do it. But I remember getting myself up at 4.30 in the morning and um, 
it would take an hour for that noise to stop in my head. And then the second hour, it would come. It would flow a little easier. And then the third hour, it'd be I'd really be digging in and getting some revelation. And by the fourth hour, my heart would be on fire. And it would be like, oh, no, the kids are getting up. i got to stop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't want to stop. And I couldn't wait to get up the next morning at 4.30. So once I pressed into it, once I made space to be able to study the Word of God, now I can. I know what that presence feels like. I know what it feels like to quiet myself. So I can do this in a good 10, 15 minutes. I can get myself quiet. I can find the presence of God. I can ask Him questions. I can hear His voice. I can find a, a peace to carry with me and a presence of His to carry with me throughout the day, where before it took me a while. I hadn't been used to doing that. I was very noisy in my mind and it had a lot of trauma, and so there was a lot of stuff that had to be processed. So once you start, it's very difficult to start studying the Word of God, but then He continues to maintain it for you, and it's such an excitement um, to find the word of god and eat it it's like it's like honey it's like something very sweet in your life so today the challenge is studying an active word study study is an active word is an active word it's not passive it's not something that's just going to come to me as i just sit there i've got to be actively studying how will you discipline yourself to actively study His Word? Now, ask yourself that question. If I want to grow, if I want to mature, how am I going to do this? Now, we want to be able to judge rightly and not a judge according to appearances. And that's the theme of our next section. So, John seven nineteen. Did not Moses give you the law, yet none of you kept this law? Why do you seek to kill me? Okay, so this is Jesus speaking. He says, now Moses gave you that law, and and you can't keep it yourself, and yet you're coming and trying to kill me. So now what is the accusations they're saying towards Jesus in verse 20? The people answered and said, you have a demon. Who is seeking to kill you? Okay, so they're gaslighting him. They're saying, no, no, we didn't say that. We don't know where you heard that. <laughs> That's too funny, huh? As yeah. if they could com- convince Jesus that he didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> So do you know what work he's referring to in this next verse? Jesus answered and said to them, I did one work, and you all marveled. Hmm. So that was that healing on the Sabbath. So what does Jesus say that they do on the Sabbath? Moses therefore came and circumcised, gave you, Moses therefore gave you circumcision, not that it is from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcised a man on the Sabbath. Okay, so he's saying, okay, I healed on the Sabbath, but you circumcise on the Sabbath. So Jesus is comparing his healing on the Sabbath to that circumcision. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses should be should not be broken, are you angry with me because I made a man completely well on the Sabbath? Huh. Okay. So how does Jesus tell them not to judge, and how are they judging? Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. So he's telling them if you're judging righteously, then you will know that a man's healing, no matter what day it is, is a righteous thing, a good thing to happen. So don't don't judge according to that law or according to that appearance, but a judge based upon is this a good thing. So did the people know they wanted to kill Jesus? Now some of them 
from Jerusalem said, is this not he whom they seek to kill? <laughs> yep, yep, they knew. <laughs> so what tone is Jesus using and what is the question? But look, he speaks boldly and they say nothing to him. Do the rulers know indeed that this is truly the Christ? Hmm. They're saying, do the rulers know this is the Christ? Is this the Christ? Do you think it's the Christ? Why do you think they want to kill him? And if we start looking at history, we'll realize that that pretty much they killed all the prophets. (laughs) Every prophet that God sent to them, they pretty much killed them all. Uh, So the funny thing that I thought when I did this section is that I I thought it was very interesting that Jesus didn't mind disputing with them. It, it didn't get in his head. It didn't make him upset. It didn't make him confused. He was just like, nope, you don't know what you're talking about. Yep, I, I know what you say. You're not going to twist my words. So the leaders thought Sabbath healing was breaking the law of Moses, and so that's why they sought to kill Jesus this time. And then they pretended that he was crazy and that they weren't seeking to kill him. <laughs> and then Jesus challenges their thinking about the Sabbath, which is more work, circumcision, circumcision, or healing. And then Jesus tells them to judge rightly. And some of the people have heard the leaders do want to kill Jesus. And Jesus is bold when he speaks. And the people want to know, is Jesus the Christ? So here's some things to ponder. Are you quick to judge others? that don't measure up to your religious beliefs? Hmm, that's a really interesting question. So you have to think about that, because if I'm judging them, well, I'm not loving them, I'm just judging them. Number two. Unbelievers use a form of persecution by pretending you are crazy and hiding their true motives. Do you know how to recognize when people are flipping your words and trying to change the reality of what you really what is really going on? Yeah, so uh, people that do not love you, are not for you, may come along and say you are saying things that you aren't saying or take your words and add meaning to them that you didn't mean. Take them out of context. And that's that's what they did to Jesus. So let's see what the challenge is. Abuse, aggressive, manipulative, or covert should not be allowed to have the power to rob you of your peace. Notice when we notice when more words make you struggle to hold your peace. Practice Matthew 10:13 and 14 with peace robbers. <laughs> Take back your peace of those that aren't worthy of it and shake the dust. Yep. It says, Jesus is telling them, don't let mere words uh, take your peace. If people, if you take your peace into a place and they're not worthy of it, then shake the dust off your feet, take your peace back, and let's go. So religious leaders lack the understanding. Um, so when what did the rabbi teach the people in John seven twenty seven? However, we know where this man is from, but when the Christ comes, no one knows where he is from. Now, this is not this is interesting that he would say that because in the next verse or so they're going to say, "Oh, well the Christ is supposed to come from Bethlehem." So here it's interesting that one of the leaders is teaching that, "Oh, we won't know where the Christ comes from. He's just going to pop in. He we're just not." And so he's trying to convince the people that this guy Jesus can't be the Messiah. So, did Jesus come of himself and did Jesus did the Jews know God the Father? Then Jesus cried out, as he taught in the temple, saying, You both know me, and you know where I am from, and I have not come of myself, but he who sent me is true. 
whom you do not know. So basically, when I'm reading this verse, well, what I see is he's saying, uh, you don't know who I am because you don't know who my father is. Right. Keep going. But I know him, for I am from him, and he sent me. Okay, so Jesus saying, I know where I'm from. I'm from God the Father. Could they have arrested Jesus and taken him when they wanted to? Therefore, they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour has not yet come. So when I'm doing the work of the Lord, when I'm walking one-on-one with the Father, I don't need to be afraid. I don't. If God's called me to go somewhere to minister, and other people are saying, "No, that's a scary place. I don't think I'd go." <laughs> I, the, if the Lord's going with me, if I am certain that He's called me there, that I'm safe, no one's going to lay their hands on me before my hour has come, and and um, I, the Father's going to protect me. The Holy Spirit's going to be with me. I'm going to be able to to go in without fear. So let's look at John seven thirty one. And many of the people believe in Him and said, when the Christ comes, will he do more signs than these which this man has done? Yeah, so many believed. Many believed. And why did they believe? They believed because of the signs and the miracles that he was doing. But why were the people murmuring in John seven thirty two? The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Okay, so they take they take their their police officers and they say, "Go and get go and get Jesus." So where is Jesus going next? Then Jesus said to them, "I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me." Huh? So why do you think Jesus is talking? Who? Let's see. Who do you think Jesus is talking to when he says, "You cannot come." You will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. Huh. So he's saying, look, guys, where I'm going, you're not going to get to come. So why would the Pharisees not be able to go where Jesus is going? Then the Jews said among themselves, where does he intend to go that we shall not find him? Does he intend to go to the dispersion Dispersion among the Greek and teach the Greeks? Hmm. Could the Jews understand? What is this thing that he said, you will seek me and not find me, and where I go you cannot come? So he's kind of twisting words. He's kind of using words to, to, to hide true meaning of what, what he's saying because they can't understand him anyway because it has to be spiritually discerned what Jesus is saying. It has to be spiritually discerned that he's the Messiah, that he's of the Father, and these things they're not ready for yet. So the rabbis had taught that no one would know where the Christ came from. And Jesus says that you know me and you know where I'm from. The problem is that you don't know the Father. So Jesus is from the Father God, and they couldn't lay hands on him because it wasn't his time yet. So some crowds were for Jesus, which made the Pharisees very jealous. And the Pharisees are puzzled when they when he speaks to them. I shall be here a little longer. Where I am, you cannot come. Where I'm going, you cannot come. It confused them. So they lacked understanding because they weren't spiritually united with the Holy Spirit, with the Father, to discern these things. So let's think of some things to ponder here. How could you dispel confusion and find direction for your path if you don't understand what God is doing in your circumstance. And what I find, well, is when there's confusion on something, I can either sit and stew in it and think it over a hundred times 
and it may be moving an inch, but it's going to be back there the next day. Or I can trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not to my own understanding and land on praising God and uh, just glorifying Him. And I don't know what you're doing, but I trust you. Trust is like a muscle. What area of your life do you need to move the fear and just simply trust the Lord? Yeah, are you being called into an area of your life that other people don't believe in you, where you just need to say, Lord, I'm just going to sit right here. I'm going to trust you no matter what this looks like. I'm going to prepare to go. And when you open the door, then I'll go. Search the word understanding and outline a few verses. Who gets understanding? Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's a really good question. Who gets understanding? We have one of our lessons on our seven pillars of wisdom on the Rock of Recovery on understanding, because understanding is one of those pillars. Do I have to believe to understand? <laughs> what is one thing I am to understand? Isaiah 4310. What is the one thing that I am to understand? What do you think that might be? Hmm. <laughs> I am to understand probably has something to do with belief because mm -hmm. doesn't he tell us in every one of these every one of these verses trust and belief yeah Faith. you are my witnesses declares the Lord I and my servant whom I have chosen that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he before me no God was formed, nor shall there be any God formed after me. This is, is a faith. It's a strength. It's a believing. And what Jesus is telling them all through John, the book of John is believe, believe, believe. And then he's saying, if you believe in me, you're going to have this living water. He who believes in me, out of his heart, out of his belly, will flow rivers of living water. So what are the three things that we are to do in John seven thirty seven? On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. So the three things are thirst. Come to me and drink. Yeah, yeah. So you gotta, you got to get thirsty. you got to want to know this. So what is our responsibility if we want these rivers of living water within us? He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Well, there it goes again. There's the word. Believes. <laughs> All over the book of John. Believe, 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 believe. So what is the river of living water? But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, who those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus had not yet glorified yeah, he not yet been glorified. And so he's saying, you're going to get this Holy Spirit. You're going to receive this um, as soon as I'm glorified, if you believe. So did many believe in Jesus? Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, truly, this is the prophet. Yeah, so they're starting to come around. They're starting to believe. They're starting to listen to him. So where did some think that he had come from? John seven forty one. Others said, this is the Christ, but some say, will the Christ come out of Gal Galilee? Galilee? Hmm, so where was the Christ born? Has not the scripture said that 
the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? <laughs> so they didn't understand that Jesus had been born in Bethlehem. They didn't know that. They didn't research it. They didn't ask him. So did Jesus cause unity or division in John seven forty three? So there was a division among the people because of him. Yeah. And, and he didn't seem like he was trying to correct it right now. So he's just saying, but if you're thirsty for truth, come and drink. And the water of Jesus is living water given to you by the Holy Spirit. So our job is to believe and confess our unbelief and ask God to help us believe and then ask him for the Holy Spirit to come and fill us that we might be able to to believe. Many believed he was a prophet, but questioned where he was from, and that Christ would come from Bethlehem. And that is in Matthew 2.1. It tells us that that is where he came from. So let's look at some more things to ponder. A person without self-control is just like an ancient city that wasn't fortified with walls of protection. Proverbs 25.28, you can fortify your internal soul with self-control. Name two places in your life that you would like to develop more self-control. Yeah. Is it around something simple like food, like um, um, disciplining yourself to get so many glasses of water or to go to bed on time or to get up on time or not to hit that snooze button three times? (laughs) Just simple things. Well, just start Mm -hmm. little. Start small. Because if I can discipline myself in the little things, then when the big thing comes, I've already practiced self-control. And I'll be like, oh, it's just one step. Just one step to conquer my flesh in this area. So what's a second thing to ponder? Following Christ involves moving all confusion and anxiety and building maturity within. Mm. Isaiah 60, 16 through 18 describes internal prosperity and peace in the future under the Savior, Redeemer, and Mighty One of Jacob. This is available to New Testament believers. If I have, if I take dominion over my own life, I am to allow the Lord to build the walls of my city with His salvation and then do the work to secure the gate of my soul with praise. Yes, so as I come to the Lord, He's He's the one that's going to give me this gift of salvation. But then I must, there's gates to my soul that lets people come in and out and in and out. Um, I want to build those gates with praise so that depression can't get in, anxiety, fear, worries, confusion can't get in and stay and destroy my soul. Um, if I don't have salvation, then I don't even have any walls around my heart. And people are just running me over, stealing my peace, stealing my joy, uh, telling me who I am, taking my identity. So it's very important to understand who you are in Christ and who He is. He is our Savior, our Redeemer, and the Mighty One, the Mighty One to come and save and to redeem us. And as we have His power living in us, we can um, take dominion over that ground of our heart so that we can live by a life of peace. Now let's look at the challenge. If Jesus is addressing the disciples in every chapter about their unbelief, where do you need to address your unbelief? Mm, Any place that you're struggling, right? They were walking beside Jesus and struggled to believe. After the Holy Spirit came in Acts, they were walking with Jesus in them, and there was no struggle. Mm. They were willing to lay down their lives for Christ. So if you struggle to believe, ask for the Holy Spirit to come. So that's John 1, 33, 14, 26, and 20, 22. So if I'm walking with Jesus beside me, 
I'm being discipled. It's really sweet. I'm having a great time, but I don't have his power within me to stand strong when when he's not right beside me. But if I am full of the Holy Spirit, now I have the power of the Holy Spirit in me to help me to redeem my life. So now we want to understand in this next section that the law cannot save. So does our law judge a man before he hears it in John seven fifty one? So what did some want to do, and could they do it? Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. Okay, so in John ten fifteen through 17, Jesus says, He lays down his life for the sheep, and no, no one has the power to and he has the power to take it up again, but no one takes his life from him. So what did the Pharisees ask these officers to do? Then the officers came to the chief priest and the Pharisees who said to them, why have you not brought him in? <laughs> They're saying, okay, we sent you out to go arrest him. Why didn't you bring Jesus in? What did they say? The officers answered, no man ever spoke like this man. <laughs> Jesus opened up his mouth and Probably their hearts burned with the presence of God, and they're like, I don't know if we can arrest him or not. This is this feels way too precious. <laughs> so what did the Pharisees say to the officers? Then the Pharisees answered them, are you also deceived? Okay, so they didn't believe in Jesus, did they? Mm. They were um, totally, completely, all the time deflecting him. So can you remember any ruler who believed on Jesus? Have any of the rulers or the Pharisees believed in him? Hmm. Keep going. But this crowd that does not know the law is accusers. Accursed. Accursed. Is accursed. So the law does not save, and you can look that up in Romans 3, 19 and 20, and 8, 3 through 5. Uh, the law cannot save us. So he's saying that there's something deeper, something richer here. So let's look for one of the rulers that would believe in Jesus. Nicodemus, he who came to Jesus by night, being one of them, said to them, What did he say? Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? Okay, so Nicodemus is kind of taken up for Jesus. And he, you know, they, they've been mocking him, they've been persecuting, they've been trying to arrest him. And Nicodemus is saying, Wait a minute, are we going to judge him before we even hear him? You know, we're not even listening to him. Let's go. Let's 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 go see what's going on. So, what was their reasoning excuse for not believing? They answered and said to him, "Are you also from Galilee?" <laughs> They're fussing at Nicodemus. <laughs> Search and look, for no prophet has arisen out of Galilee. So they just heard that he came from Galilee. They didn't know he was born in Bethlehem, and so they had just totally dismissed it. They heard one little thing, and they just dismissed it. So, what happened next? And everyone went to his own house. Okay, so when there's a dispute and there's people that are fussing at you that probably don't know what they're talking about, just probably just leave and go home. <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, <laughs> Sometimes you just, just not worth it. Just go home. They're not ready to hear anything. Don't waste your breath. So no one could seize Jesus before his time. The officers wouldn't even capture him because of the way he spoke. The Pharisees mocked anyone who believed in him and called them deceived. And following religious laws and rules will not save us. We can follow all the rules we want, and it's not going to save us. We've got to have that Holy Spirit. So Nicodemus was a Jewish ruler who came by night to speak to Jesus. Unbelievers will always have an excuse not to believe, and many unbelievers that want to cause confusion should just go home. <laughs> so let's look at some of the things to ponder. 
If you are mocked for following Jesus, is your faith strong enough to continue walking with Christ? Hmm. So if somebody comes along and mocks you and says, uh, I don't know why you're always carrying your Bible. I don't know why you're always talking that stuff. I don't know why you're always listening to that. Are you strong enough to just keep persevering and realize that that's okay? If I spend my life following traditions and religions, religious rules without knowing Jesus, will I be saved? Mm, Matthew seven twenty three, Depart from me, I never knew you. So make sure that you're just not following traditions and religious rules and laws, but you're following Jesus. So what's the challenge? What excuses do you hear from yourself or others or why Jesus isn't the Savior? Okay. So are you saying that he was probably a really good man? He was a really good teacher. He was a really good prophet. He might have been, but he's not. The, well, what excuses are you making? Because your eyes are not going to be opened until you until you start asking the Holy Spirit to open them and open up your understanding and to help you believe. And that was Chapter 7, and this is Angie Meadows. And this is Will. 